Hey, good morning, church. Hey, real quick, if this is your first or second Sunday here, uh, Matt, our lead pastor, he always tells us, he says, hey, when you go up on stage, make sure you introduce yourself. I just want to make something real clear. I'm not Matt. This isn't a New Year's Eve miracle. He didn't grow hair or a foot taller. Um, <laughs> I didn't expect that reaction. Uh, my name's Thomas Winslow. I'll be looking out for bears later. Uh, um, uh, I'm one of the elders here at Wellspring, and simply put, we're an elder-led church, um, just meaning there's six of us that have been called um, and kind of put into a place of leadership to shepherd the church body and, uh, and make sure that, that we're, we're pushing the church body towards looking more and more like Jesus through, through scriptural teaching um, as well as, as chirp, church operations. Um, so this morning... I love stories. If, if you've heard me preach before, I tell a lot of stories. Uh, I want to start this morning with a story. When my wife found out that I was, I was teaching on purpose, she told me one thing. She said, hey, you're not allowed to talk about how you want to fly. Because this comes up in conversation a lot in our house. I say, hey, I have a dream of being a pilot. I want to fly, but I'm not allowed to talk about that. Um, and so I found a story through the Internet. <clears throat> um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, I read a lot of blogs, and I found a story about a man who equally had a dream to fly, and I want to tell you that story this morning. Um, you can go ahead and put up the picture on the slides. So I'm going to tell you a story about Lawn Chair Larry. Uh, I didn't think this story was true when I first heard it, but I want to rewind this back to 1982 on a July, a sunny July day in Los Angeles, California. Lawn Chair Larry, he had a dream to fly, and he met that dream. Um, how he did it was he went to an army surplus store. He bought 40 weather balloons. He went to Sears. He bought a lawn chair. He, he thought it would be a good idea to attach helium weather balloons to this lawn chair. His idea was that he was going to go up 100 feet where he would enjoy the magic of flight. So on that day, he packed a satchel of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. He took a pellet gun, which we'll get to in a minute, and a six-pack of beer. I saw some head nods. Y'all are thinking, this is my person. This is my people. Um, and so what happened, what proceeded to happen was Lawn Chair Larry started ascending way too fast. And so he let go of his tether. Um, his plan was with that pellet gun, he was going to shoot the, the balloons to lower himself safely to the ground. Well, when he got going too fast, he thought he was going to get thrown from the chair, so he released the tether. What happened was he found himself at 16,000 feet. If you know anything about airspace, 16,000 feet is commercial airspace. You don't go up there if you don't have permission. Um, and so uh, a couple of jetliners actually spotted him floating above. I would love to hear the call to air traffic control from that. Uh, this guy's armed, and he has a six-pack of beer. Um, <laughs> And so Lawn Chair Larry gets up there, and I don't know whether he was oxygen-deprived or whether he got scared, but he dropped the gun. Um, this, is, this is bad news. This, this seems like it's not going to end well. But he had already shot some of the balloons, so his descent starts going just like his ascent way too fast. He had some ballast gallon jugs tied to the side of the chair, so he poured out water to slow his descent. Um, he ended up, he couldn't control where he was going, so he ended up crashing into some power lines. They had to call LAPD, and in dramatic fashion, they finally got him to the ground. Um, he decided at that point he was just going to walk home. Um, and so he, he passed the lawn chair to a neighborhood kid. 
He began to walk home. A reporter caught up to him a little while later and asked him two questions. And this was his response. This is where I want to start this morning. He said, hey, would you do it again? And to which he simply responded, no. That's how we know he's not a Texan. Um, they asked him, hey, why did you do it? To which he responded, a man can't simply sit around. Man, isn't that so true? I'm going to tell you the end of the story because I know you're interested. So Lon Chair got fined $4,000 by FAA, which in, in uh, 1982, I hear that's a lot of money. Um, he got fined $4,000 to which they later dropped to $1,500 because they determined that you don't need an airworthiness certificate to fly a lawn chair. Um, <laughs> And then the kid who he gave, this is even better, you can hit the next slide. The kid he gave the lawn chair to three decades later donated, donated that lawn chair to the National Air and Space Museum where it was on exhibit. How cool is that? So deep in the hearts of humans, there's restlessness, right? We see this through this story. No matter your age or your occupation or your status, there's a yearning to do something more and to be something more. It's, it's wired in us. It's how God created us. Uh, we just need to figure out what it is we're supposed to do, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. This week I sent out a text to, to a bunch of my, my group texts, a bunch of friends and family of all ages, um, all backgrounds, all, all, all statures of life, and I said, hey, what is your top aspiration? And these are some of the responses I want to read to you um, that I got back. The first one was not to kill my kids before holiday break was over. Uh, that's a pretty good one. That's a challenge for some of us. Um, others, find more ways to serve. Create something meaningful. Go on more trips with your dad. Get better at golf. That was my mom and my dad. Um, pay off our house. Quit running the rat race. Pay off our debt. Cultivate a plan for our family's future. Make healthier decisions. Be more intentional with discipleship. And the last one was probably the last one that came through. This is my favorite. To recklessly pursue goals of eternal value. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. I think it's encouraging. Uh, we as humans, like through these answers, you see that we've, we've kind of moved past this idea that the purpose of life is to make more money or to get more stuff. Even watching the video with Tom, right? Like Tom won three Super Bowls and he got to that point where he was stating, hey, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this. I just don't know what it is. I wish I knew. Um, even Solomon, the wisest person in the Old Testament, he got everything he possibly wanted. And in Ecclesiastes 2, 10 through 11, we see him say, And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold... All was vanity, a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So he got everything he wanted, and he still came up empty. We're created for purpose, and Lon Chariot Larry got it right. Uh, a man can't simply sit around. Uh, purpose is simple but complex. It's beautiful, and we don't have to look far from Scripture to see what our purpose is. You know, I fully believe that when we ground our life in what's written in this book, that we find purpose, we find meaning, we find joy, and we find peace. Maybe you started doing this, Matt kind of alluded to it when we were doing prayer, 
Uh, but I started thinking about everything that has the tag 2023, and I thought about the highs and the lows and the memories and the things that I'm going to do better in 2024, and the one thing that I kept coming back to was the dialogue, um, kind of internal dialogue or external dialogue, and there's phrases and thoughts that were coming to mind like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I doing enough? Is there something more? Just tell me what to do. Uh, Dad, am I doing this right? Are you proud of me? And in all those things, this is what I hear. This is what I see. I, I see this idea of like, where do I belong? Where do we belong? Where do we belong in our day in and our day out? Where do we belong in the grand scheme of things? And so this morning, we're going to dive into scripture. We're going to be in Romans 15. If you want to turn your Bibles to Romans 15, if you want to get up and get a Bible to turn to Romans 15, you can do that too. Um, we, were, we, we studied through the book of Romans this year, and, and just being in, in your seat, I got really attached to it, and I kept going back to it over and over again because Romans teaches us how to live the Christian life well. Um, in this book, the first 11 chapters are all about what God has done to provide us salvation through Jesus Christ. In the last five chapters, we're going to see Paul teach us about what we should do in response. Isn't that the perfect image of the Christian life? If you hear nothing else this morning, this is what I want you to hear. We work from acceptance. As a Christian, as a believer of Jesus Christ, we work from acceptance. We don't work towards it. Uh, every other religion in the world will tell you, hey, you need to do these things in order to be loved by God. But Christianity says the gospel, the good news says, you are accepted, therefore obey. Um, as we approach the end of the letter, we're going to see how the gospel shapes Paul's aspirations, how it shapes Paul's purpose. Uh, if the gospel is true, what makes a purposeful life and what makes a wasted life are much different than what the world tell, tells us. And just so we're on the, the same page, I have the definition of purpose for you. Um, purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. And so in Romans 15, Paul's going to pull together a lot of themes, and, and he's going to show us how the gospel enables us to live with purpose. I think it's a great way to end this year. I think it's a great way to begin 2024. So the goal of today is to recalibrate our lives around eternal purposes. To be clear, Paul's calling was probably not the same of most of ours. Probably the majority of us in here did not have or does not have Paul's calling. So let's read uh, Romans 15. We're going to start in verse 14, and we're going to read through 21. My brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about you that you are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Nevertheless, I have written to remind you more boldly on some points because of the grace given me by God. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, serving as a priest of the gospel of God. God's purpose is that the Gentiles may be acceptable offerings, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to boast in Christ Jesus regarding what pertains to God. For I would not dare say anything except what Christ has accomplished through me by word and deed for the obedience of the Gentiles. By the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. As a result, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem all the way around Illyricum. My aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named so that I will not build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. 
You know, when I read the Bible, I often skip through these parts, right? I skip through the intro and outro, or just kind of skim over them because he gets so personal. I'm like, how does this uh, affect me today? Like, how am I, what am I supposed to learn about God from this? Um, this was Paul's personal, personal ambition. We see um, just from the language in this, he, he gets super personal, um, we look at verse 20, he says, my aim, or some, some translations say, my ambition uh, is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. Uh, Paul's personal calling was to preach Christ where he had not been, been taught before. And if you look at a map from that time, uh, the far west, so Paul was talking about Spain. Uh, the, the, the far west of the map would be Spain. The far south would be Ethiopia and kind of the hustle and bustle or in the middle. So Paul's saying, hey, my aim, my purpose is that I'm going all the way to the end of the map to Spain to make sure that people know about Jesus. He'll say he's finished not when everybody there is a, a Christian or that when there's nothing left to do in the churches. He's going to say he's finished when there are churches uh, there's a foundation to be built upon preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, the assignment to preach Christ where he had not been named uh, was not the assignment of everybody in the early church. And I think this is important for us to understand. Peter never left Jerusalem. Uh, we see in, in Galatians 2.7, Paul starts talking about uh, he was called to the uncircumcised, to the Gentiles, which is good news for us. But Peter was called to the circumcised, to the Jews. And so he stayed and he built the church in Jerusalem. We look at Dionysus, the, the Areopagite, um, he, he got one mention in the Bible in Acts 17, 34. He was a convert from Paul. Uh, Paul taught him about Jesus. He came to know Jesus. He ended up being a leader in the church in Athens. He was a build-upon-it guy. He was there to build the church up in Athens after Paul had gone. And if we just think about Romans... Uh, Paul doesn't tell the Romans in the letter, he doesn't say, hey, it's, you need to quit your jobs and travel with me to do what I'm doing. No, he doesn't. He just says, hey, your calling is, is, is given to you by the Holy Spirit, and you need to, to pursue after it. Uh, but preaching Christ in places where he was not known was Paul's personal purpose. And in verse 22, it says, this is why I have been prevented many times from coming to you. Uh, Paul had the confidence to say no uh, to good opportunities because he was clear where God had called him to. He knew what God's purpose was so he could say no to a good opportunity. I think some of us need to hear that this morning. You can say no to good opportunities if you're aiming for God opportunities. It's all right to say no to something good if you're chasing after what the Holy Spirit has called you to. Uh, Paul's understanding of purpose came from two things, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. The first is what is God doing in the world? Paul knew what God was doing in the world, and he was chasing after it. Notice how, how Paul bases his understanding of his purpose with God's purposes on the earth. Uh, in verse 20, which we've read a few times now, but we're just going to keep cycling back to it. He says, my aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. And he immediately follows that in verse 21 with, But as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. 
He turns immediately to scripture. If I were Paul and somebody asked me what my purpose was or if I was writing my purpose, it would probably go something like this. Hey, listen, I was chasing after Christians to kill them. I was chasing after Christ followers to kill them. When all of a sudden I was blinded and knocked off my horse, Jesus spoke to me. A guy that I thought I was dead spoke to me and gave me purpose. Isn't that where you would start if you were Paul? But Paul doesn't start there, and I think it's on purpose. I think it's for us. I think he starts there because... Not everybody's going to have a Damascus Road experience, but we all have scripture. And so if you want to know what your ambition is, if you want to know what your purpose is on this earth, then it must start in God's word. It must start in scripture. Um, So let me ask you, have you ever asked yourself how well your life goals line up with scripture? Have you ever looked at this? Have you ever said, hey, how well are my ambitions aligned with God's purpose, with God's scripture, with God's word? Uh, maybe the first place to start is this year commit to reading the Bible for as, as short as 10 to 15 minutes a day. You can read the Bible from cover to cover in one year. If you, if you follow a Bible reading plan, a yearly reading plan, we ended today in Revelation. I do the Bible recap every year. And uh, if you want to, it's a great, great way to kind of put some context to things. You listen to a podcast, you do a reading, and it just takes 10 or 15 minutes. Maybe that's where you need to start this year is just getting into Scripture. It's a challenge for all of us. This comes up a lot in the back. Uh, Usually in the second service, I teach uh, fifth and sixth grade. And we talk a lot about what what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do when you grow up? And I don't think we ever lose sight of that question, right? It doesn't matter what age you are. I still ask myself that. I'm like, hey, what do I want to do when I grow up? Um, And and these are some of the answers I get. Hey, I want to play golf on the PGA. Hey, I want to own my own business. Hey, I'd like to teach kids. Uh, I just want to have a family and be able to support them. I want to use my giftings to the best of my ability. I want to be a veterinarian. I want to fly. I might need a couch tonight. Um, and there's nothing wrong with these, right? Like there's nothing wrong with having personal ambitions. There's nothing wrong with having goals. They're actually really good. But if we're honest, have we thought about how are we aligning our, our career ambition, our goals, our ambitions with what's written in Scripture, with what God's doing in the world? Uh, God is doing something on earth, and it's, it's, it's clearly told to us. Uh, as humans, especially as Americans, uh, we've spent a lot of time abroad, and, uh, man, we're just really selfish. The American dream, if we really think about it, it's, it's how do we get ahead? How do we personally achieve more? How do we gain more? How do we do more? Uh, it's all about me, 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 me. Um, when it comes to the will of God, we're into the Enneagrams and personality tests and strength finders and all these things that tell us all about us. But first, before we do the, and those are good things, but before that, we need to know what God is doing. I love what Oswald Chambers says in Utmost for My Highest. I read this a lot. He says, we talk so much today about our decisions for Christ, our determination to be Christians, and our decisions for this and that. But in the New Testament, the only aspect that is brought out is the compelling purpose of God. You did not choose me, but I chose you, John 15, 16. And isn't that the upside-down kingdom that Jesus teaches us in Matthew 5? Jesus teaches us, hey, we got to start up and work our way down. We don't start down and work our way up. You know what happened to Paul when he got to Rome? So Paul finally made it to Rome. And guess what? He never left. He eventually was beheaded there. But Paul knew this might happen. 
He had, he had seconded his story to a grander story. He knew what God was doing in the world, and he seconded his story to that. We've talked about this a lot, where, where he could look at tragedy, he saw triumph. Where he could look at, at uh, sacrifices, he was able at the end of the day to say, hey, it was worth it. Don't you want to live your life in that way? I think it's important for us to think about these things. Many of us have turned the will of God into an idol. Right? We think more about like what is God calling us to do more than we think about how is God achieving his glory in the earth. Uh, we talk about finding God's will. I hear this all the time. If you talk to any young people, it's like, man, what is God's will for my life? We think about this way too much. It's not lost. In 2 Peter 3.9, uh, it's told to us all through scripture. But in 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Here in Romans, or Romans 15, we're going to hop back a few verses. I want to look at verse 10 through 13. Again, it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will appear. The one who rises to rule the Gentiles, the Gentiles will hope in him. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what Paul did here? He pointed to the Old Testament. Uh, this is what the, the Jews of the time would know. They would know the Old Testament. And what he did is he pointed to all three major sections of the Old Testament. He pointed to uh, the law, the prophets, and the wisdom writings. And why did he do that? He did that to show that the purpose has always been the same. The purpose is always that God is wanting to get his family back. God is, is wanting the name of Jesus to be known throughout all of time, all of history. Um, you know, we live in an interesting time. Everybody wants to take up a cause. We want to eradicate human trafficking. Uh, we want to extend human rights. We even want to do away with plastic straws. Uh, as many of you know, these are good and worthy causes. These are good things to, to give your time and your energy to. I, for one, never want to drink out of a paper straw again, but that is even a good thing, right? We're trying to protect, protect our earth. Um, but for Christians who believe in the Bible, hear this. One cause trumps them all. You want to guess what it is? The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. The Father wants his family about it. Our cause should be to make the name of Jesus Christ known to everyone we come in contact with. We don't like to think about eternal suffering, but as I was preparing for my sermon, I kept going back to Luke 16 where the, the rich man's begging Abraham to come back to warn his brothers about eternal torment. Like That's a scary thing, and we don't like to think about that, but it's important. Jesus wouldn't be teaching on this uh, if, if it wasn't important. Of all the causes to give yourself to, giving people hope through the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most important. If the Bible is true, then a life that is not wasted knows how to contribute to the end. It's that beginning. It's that aspiration, right? Relentlessly pursuing goals of eternal value. So secondly, Paul's understanding came from sensing his gifting of the Holy Spirit. Uh, after considering the overarching purpose of God, Paul sought direction from the Spirit regarding his specific role in it. That's why he says, my purpose, my ministry, my offering to God, my ambition. Uh, Paul arrived at his purpose by sensing what the Holy Spirit was doing in his life personally. 
His life was, what, uh, was about what Christ had empowered him to do. We see that in verse 18. Um, and, and then what the Spirit of God was doing through him in verse 19. A big theme of Paul in the New Testament and all his writings is learning what your spiritual gifts are. Some of you are given the desire to take, uh, to take the name of Christ to people all over the world. And some of you are called to build up the church Some of you are given abilities to serve members, meeting the needs of people inside the church and outside, being the hands and feet of Jesus. Some of you have the gift of generosity or encouragement, and some of you have the gift of faith and prayer, and some of you have a supernatural gift of insight and warning to give to others. If you read Romans chapter 12, listen to this, having a spiritual gift does not release you from other responsibilities. Just because your gifting is what you are doing, that doesn't release you from doing the other stuff too, right? We're all called to this. That's why Paul says there's many parts. There's one body, right? The church is one body. The mission of the church is to take all the parts, unite them, and go after it together. That's the hope for Wellspring. Uh, But it's a special way. Your gifting is a special way that God wants you to to go and to serve and figure out... um, and figuring out what yours is, is important. You know, the book of Acts isn't supposed to end in chapter 27. Uh, you know, our hope and prayer for Wellspring is that these supernatural and wonderful things, like, continue on. This, this is a promise for every generation that we can see awesome things and supernatural things happen in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, throughout church history, in our time, in their time, uh, in every time. You know, we could do a whole sermon series on the Holy Spirit. I'd say for most, uh, this is probably the most confusing part of the Trinity, and I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but I, was ta- I talked to my five-year-old Harbor, and uh, she'll tell me, she said, Dad, like, I get the Father. Like, I get God. I, I understand Father. I understand Son. I understand Jesus. But I don't really understand the Holy Spirit. Like, what is it? <laughs> like, who is he? And, uh, and, I, and I would say this. I would say the stirring of your heart. That gentle nudge, sometimes a vocal voice, uh, boldness to do something you didn't think you could do, an illumination. I love this definition of the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit unites the believer with Christ and places him in the body of Christ, the church. The church is important. I'm thankful that you're sitting in these seats. I'm thankful to do life with every single one of you. The Holy Spirit shows up 59 times in the Acts, and in 36 of those, he's speaking. It doesn't tell us how he's speaking. I think that's intentional. We don't know if it was a a, a verbal, vocal uh, speaking, but I think God does that because he doesn't want us to get comfortable, right? Like, he doesn't want us to, to, to fully know. He wants us to chase after him. I think if we were too comfortable, we'd become lackadaisical. I challenge you, read the book of Acts. Find all of these, because if you find where the Holy Spirit is working in Scripture, you're going to find where the Holy Spirit's working in your life, and you're going to be able to sense your gifting. The thing to remember is this. You're supposed to interpret your gifting within the grander picture, right? Within the grander story that God wants his family back and that every end of the earth needs to know the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to think about it this way. I want to do an illustration for you. I need five volunteers real quick. Um, I'll take Evan, Evan and Harbor. Come here. Lewis, kids, come here. Just three of you. All right, come up these stairs. Come up these stairs. Hey, can you throw that image of the fire truck up? All right, I stole this. I'm not that smart. 
All right, you're going to be the engineer, so you're going to be driving the truck. She's not old enough to drive. You're driving the truck. All right, you're the company officer. Your job, you're the first one through the door. You're busting down doors of fire, okay? You got it? All right, you're going to be the nozzle man. You know what the nozzle man does? No. You don't know what the nozzle man does? The nozzle man sprays the fire. Um, all right, you're the backup firefighter. The backup firefighter is very important. Uh, this is actually a hard job from what I've been told. Uh, you're going you're gonna to make sure the hoses are, are clear. Got it? All right, you're the, you're the tiller woman. You're driving the back of the fire truck. So if you go around corners, you're driving the back of the fire truck. All right. Real quick, what is your job? <laughs> What's that? Driving the fire truck. Driving the fire truck. What's your job? To, to bust down doors. Bust down doors. Alright, what's your main job? Make sure the hose is clear. Make sure the hose is clear. What's your main job? The hose is the stuff down. The hose is, yeah, nozzle. The Drive the back of the truck. Alright, so this is the perfect, this is the perfect representation because show me the next slide. What is really your main job? To put out the fire, right? As fire people, good job. You guys just preached what it means to have spiritual gifts in the church. You see, we often think of our purpose as what we do. But that's our spiritual gift. Our spiritual gift is not just what we do. We have a main purpose. God's main purpose, like we said over and over again, is to make the gospel of Jesus Christ known. Hey, I want to end this way. We got a little bit of time. We're doing good. I want to end this way. When you put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ, when you become a Christian, it's, it's said that you have one of three decisions to make. And John Piper says you either go, send, or disobey. It's that simple. And going looks different, right? Like our missions partners as a church our S3, uh, China Spring Cares, they're, they're actively serving the school system, making sure kids are fed. Um, they're making sure the gospel is known in our public school system. It's really awesome. Uh, we also have Isaiah 117 House and Together for Good, which serve the foster care system. These are all local things, right, of people who noticed, who had a sense, an urge, a nudge to get out there and, and fix a problem for the glory of God, to, to meet a need of uh, to meet a need that needed to be met. We also support Jack and Haley and the Bixlers who have gone to the nations, Jack and Haley in the Middle East and the Bixlers in the United Kingdom. So going looks different. Going doesn't mean you're going overseas. You're not, you're not necessarily going to the end of the earth. Sometimes it just means stepping out of your comfort zone. Uh, I watched my mom build a ministry called Green Shoe Ministry, and I, I've, I've seen her do a lot of stuff through my life, but I've never seen her, like, fully step into her purpose like she does with Green Shoe. She started noticing in Concord, North Carolina, that there was a lot of homeless people. And so simply, she just started making brown paper bag lunches. Um, and this has been going on for years. And the stories and the fruit that have come out of a peanut butter jelly sandwich and some water in a brown paper bag is incredible because she felt the urge of the Holy Spirit and she acted. Others are called to sin. Um, and hear me when I say this, sending is just as important as going. Um, I love this quote by William Carey, who we consider the, the founder of the modern missions movement. 
And he said this, uh, they, were, they were meeting and they were hearing stories of all these needs that needed to be met in India, um, where the gospel wasn't known. And he said this, I will venture to go down, but remember that you must hold the ropes. You see, there's, there's both sides of, of the rope. There's the going and there's the holding. One of my favorite stories from our time of serving as missionaries in Cambodia, we did a, a ministry retreat uh, for our partners, and we had an older gentleman come, and he had been in business his entire life um, doing accounting and, and spreadsheets and just what we would consider a normal job. And he sat down with our Cambodian partners and walked them through a simple spreadsheet, um, just a simple budget. And so he empowered Cambodian leaders to budget so that they could fulfill the ministry purpose that they had been called to. He never knew it was possible to just do his normal day-to-day mundane job for the glory of God. See, some of you are called to send, and that means you have specific giftings. You do specific things that are needed um, elsewhere, and maybe you're just called to share that gifting. Maybe you're just called to share your talents and your gifts. Um, let's finish this way. Uh, we're not going to read it aloud, but finish reading uh, Romans 15 today. And, and I want to point out one thing. In verses 26 through 28, Paul takes up an offering um, from the church of Rome and takes it to Jerusalem to give to the poor. Uh, I just want to I just want to let you know a lot of people probably don't know as a Wellspring member or just if you come here and you tithe at all, uh, we give we actually tithe our tithe. <laughs> and one of the coolest things we did as elders this year in our last meeting, so we give ten percent of what you give to other missionaries or churches that kind of align with our. Our, our values and, and theology and our missions partners and just all these things. And one of the coolest things we did in our last meeting was we had $15,000 to give away. So one of the coolest things we did all year was to sit down and figure out and pray through and figure out where do we want to invest this money to grow the kingdom of God. And how awesome is that? Like you guys should feel uh, incredibly proud as a two-year-old church plant. Like that $15,000 wasn't the only money we gave away. That was just part of it. That's just what we were sitting on at the end of the year. Listen, we are one body with many parts. You're not called to just sit around. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your purpose. I thank you for what you're doing in the earth. I'm grateful that we get to be a part um, and I would just pray that you illuminate in our lives our giftings and uh, just call us to, to greater purposes to align with what you're doing. Uh, let us be a part of your story. I pray as the new year comes that we're, we're focused on you, that we know you better. And we just thank you for the church. We thank you that we can gather in a place to worship you. That's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, listen, I want to leave you with, with four different things. First of all, there will be elders and uh, prayer partners in the back. If you do need specific prayer, we stand back there every Sunday, and, and rarely somebody comes back there, but, like, we genuinely want to pray for you. Um, as a church leadership team, you can fill out the card, throw it in the giving box. Uh, we pray over those. Those go out to the elders, and, and we'll follow up with you. But we believe it's important to to just be together as one body. Like we want to be able to shepherd you well and take care of you. And we want to be able to pray for specific needs, no matter how small they are. I want to leave you with a recap of what we talked about today. So I have four words that I'm going to throw up on the screen. 
Number one, ask, right? What do you have for me, God? Paul was 60 when he wrote the book of Romans. Paul was 60 when he wrote the book of Romans. His purpose wasn't over. He still had ambition to do what God was calling him to. Number two, practice. You may not know what you want to, you may not know what you're supposed to do, but you have gifting, you have abilities. Practice those, look at those. Do a spiritual assessment, a gifts assessment online. There's a bunch of them. Just Google spiritual gift assessment. Figure out what yours is by the nudging of the Holy Spirit and practice it. And as you walk in obedience, the older you get, the more clear it's going to become to what your purpose is. Number three, act. Chase the stirrings of your heart. Paul never made it to Spain, right? We talked about it. He was beheaded in Rome. But he wrote the book of Romans. And you know how many people have been challenged and sent out because of this book that he wrote? Countless missionaries have gone to the ends of the earth chasing after what Paul put on these pages. Lastly, go. You may not be called to go full time, but a a short-term mission trip or just volunteering in the community, I I urge you to get out of your comfort zone. The Holy Spirit shows up when when we get out of our comfort zone and it's cool to see what God does. So act, practice, ask, and go. Y'all be blessed.